Welcome to The Drop, the official podcast of the 133rd Wing. I'm Master Sergeant Dewan Haley. Today, we are joined by Senior Master Sergeant Debbie Turrell, a load master assigned to the 138th Operations Group. Senior Master Sergeant Turrell has the distinction of being the first female load master in the history of the 133rd Wing. Thank you for being on the show. You're welcome. <laughs> so I wanted to start out just a little bit, um, yeah, just telling us a little bit about yourself. I grew up in Williamstown, West Virginia. I played a lot of sports, grew up with a bunch of rednecks, did a lot of dirt bike riding in the woods, things like that. I think that helped me mm-hmm. become the better low master and to deal with the guy mentality yeah. of the 130th. So what was your catalyst for joining the, um, the military? I actually was going to sign up for the active duty almost ready to sign the paperwork. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer for the first time. So I went back to the recruiter, explained everything, and he told me about the Air Guard in Charleston, which in Williamstown, Parkersburg area in the 90s, it wasn't real advertised. The Air Guard was not. So I drove to Charleston and talked to Artie Chestnut. And from that, I joined in 1993 and went into admin and worked for Chief Hartley in personnel section. Okay. okay. So after that, what made you want to become an air crew member? We did an ORE in 93, and it was the first time I got on on C-130. And I looked at Chief Hartley, and I talked to the loadmasters, which would have been uh, Paul Dolan then, and said, I really want to do this. This is fun. And while we were down at the ORE, I got to talk to some more loadmasters and some air crew members, and Chief Hartley's like, if you want to do this, when we get back, we'll talk. So when we got back, I was really interested in it. I had only been in my AFSC for two years. At the time, you have to have three years. The wing signed my letter to, for my three-year waiver, and I went to loadmaster school. What was the type of support that you got, um, especially here when you first um, – wanted to become a loadmaster because like you said you're the f- very first female air crew member in the history of our unit so was it one of those things where there were some people that discouraged you beforehand no not really um chief hartley and chief spradling chief boyles chief martin a lot of the loadmasters that are retired now they were very helpful they explained a lot about what being a loadmaster was and no one really said anything just about me being a woman. They, this is what a low master does. And if you can do it, if you can pass the flight physical, we're, we're on board. Okay. And that would have been 1995. Okay. So I know earlier we talked about um, some of the challenges that you faced when you went to load master school. Can you talk a little bit about that? And what, what were the things that you um, did to overcome those issues? When I went to Lake Master School, I was the only female down there in my class, which wasn't a big deal. Um, then it was about a six-month course. There was two sections of flying. So my, when I was ready to get my first check ride, went in, signed my crew orders, was ready to get my check ride. My evaluator at the time down there, 
didn't realize I was a female and saw my name, came in, saw my name tag on my flight suit, told me to get my stuff and go back home. I would get my check ride tomorrow. I was really confused. I was like, I'm not giving check rides to females. So that was very discouraging. I called home, talked to Chief Chandler and Chief Boyles, and they said, it's not a big deal. You've got this. I went in the next day and did really well on my check ride. Okay. It was the first time that it just stuck in my head that I'm going to beat everybody at this yeah. and I'm going to be the best loadmaster I can. So do you feel like, yeah, like that that one situation, it um, it made you, in a sense, the type of person that you have today because you wanted to overcome all those odds. Yes, completely. Yeah. It was definitely the starting point and it was definitely the push that I needed to keep going. And when I got back home to the 130th, most people were, you know, very helpful, and they're like, you can do this, you've got this. And I worked 100% harder than everyone just to prove that I could do it. You know, women aren't as strong as men, so I had to prove that I could lift the paratroop doors or I could move the cargo and things like that. So it was hard at the beginning. Um, Most people, most of the air crew members were great. I mean, I had a couple, you know, our older people that are retired now. Yeah. Um, Wasn't so sure that a female should be on the airplane, Mm -hmm. you know. But they weren't mean or, you know, anything like that about it. They just kind of ignored me for a little while. And and once they got used to me being there and they saw that I just wasn't going to sit around and let the guys do my job, that I did the work and, you know, there to stay yeah everyone seemed to you know back me up a lot more that is one thing that's interesting too especially with you coming in um 93 is you know you still had people who i would assume that were here when this unit was founded yes so (laughs) so it's one of those they're you know they've grown up in this old mindset for so long and then when you when something happens it's changed that mindset you know, you faced that resistance. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, there were several older pilots, officers, that definitely had the mindset that females shouldn't be there, should be home cooking. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it got better. It did, you know, because once you prove yourself, they adapt to it a yeah. little bit. But they still, a lot of them wouldn't fly with me, you know, and I... I took it to heart, but I tried not to, and it was just another push that made me want to show them so much more that it doesn't matter that I'm a female. I'm a loadmaster, and I'm going to get it done. Mm-hmm. So, But it, it got better, I will say that, as time went on, and as our older guys retired, you know, it, it got much better. <laughs> better by attrition and by. Yes, <laughs> yes. And by other means. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your um, – your current support system and how they've helped you. My mother um, raised me on her own, so she raised me very independent. Um, And she's always there for me, even though through many, several cancers and things like that. But the ops group, I have so many people up there that support me, and my retired guys too. I mean, Mark Campbell, Boyles, I'm always texting they're always there backing me up through everything. Um, if I get confused up here, you know, and I don't want to go to someone that's still here, I'm on the phone. Help me out. What do you think? You know, and they've been away for a couple of years, but it, it's great to have that support outside of here too. Right. Um, 
Chief Gross has always been there for me to bounce stuff off of, to vent to. Um, Colonel Price, you know, is always there also. Amazing pilot and so much fun to be on the road with. I'm very happy for him where he is at. Mm. But there are a lot of people here. I mean, our Loadmasters, our ops group is amazing support system. You know, Colonel Switzer, always have the open door. Come in, talk to him. You know, it's it's a great thing to have. You know, it's like brothers everywhere. Right. You know, so a lot of people, a lot of good people. And my family, you know. It's hard to bounce stuff off your family sometimes being military. Yeah. Because you start talking about stuff, and they look at you like you're talking Greek. <laughs> what are you talking about? So... But it's still nice just to go home and to not have the military part of it, right, you know, because right. none of my family, immediate family, is in the military, mm-hmm. so you can actually get away from it a little bit. Right. Yeah. So that's nice. That's good. So let's talk about your previous deployment. So you just got back from a deployment. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I was the loadmaster superintendent. Um, just tried to keep all the loadmasters going. If anybody went to NIF, I would fly for them. I worked with ATOC to make sure the loads were good. I mean, we would have some problems with some loads or generators. We had gas actually spew on a couple loadmasters, so I had to work with special handling and ATOC and, and our crews to make sure nobody got hurt. And um, so I did that a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. What else did I do? I had to do a lot of additional duties. I was the security manager over there. I was the building manager over there. Um, helped out the first shirt, which was uh, Nate Meadows. Okay. Did a great job. It was mm-hmm. his first deployment with the one our ops group. Mm-hmm. So, and we were with Cheyenne. Awesome unit. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of good times with those guys. Yeah, I know that um, they said it's kind of unusual for a loadmaster to both be superintendent and fly. Especially in a deployed location, but how did you um, adapt to that? I tried to make my crew rest equal out to where I would be able to go in to do my office job too. So I'd make sure everything was done and make sure all my ground crew, ground guys knew what was going on, and then I'd go fly. If I had time still left on my crew day, I'd I'd go in, make sure everybody was good, all of our jobs were taken care of. You know, the water was in there and stuff like that. Just got to make it match. Okay. So one thing, too, is um, I'm looking, and you already know this, but you were voted the um, senior NCO of the month. Or not of the month, but of the um, quarter of um, the second quarter of 2020. Yes, Chief Williams told me. Yeah. (laughs) That was a surprise. (laughs) So in that... We talk about the whole airman concept and, you know, just outside, what are your hobbies and the things that you like to do? I know here it says that um, you do the um, Adopt-A-Highway program. Yeah, I work with the VFW. I'm in the pinch VFW. We do trash pickup and we do a lot of funerals and things like that. And we support our veterans through the Elkview pinch area as much as we can. We have, like, hot dog sales and stuff like that and what is it like to um, deal with those older vets? Do it's, you enjoy it? I do. Yeah. It's great because I love listening to the stories. Mm-hmm. You know, we have actually a Korean guy. Oh, wow. Okay. And a couple of the Vietnam guys still. Uh-huh. And it's great to listen to their stories. Sad, too. Yeah. You know, because you can see the difference in the military. 
mean, I've been in 27 years, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm older for the unit. And when we tell stories to the younger guys coming in, it's like, oh, man, I'm one of those old guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not as old as the Vietnam guys. Yet, so. always, it's really great. I always say one of the um, markers of you feeling old is when you joined before some of the people in the unit were born. Yes, yes. <laughs> I have a lot of that going on in the little yeah. master section right now. I'm like, I could be your mother. This is not good. <laughs> yeah. I do the BFW. I do a lot of um, cat rescues. Everyone mm-hmm. likes to call me their cat lady. Yeah. I work with feral paws and meow cat rescue. Yeah. You know, I foster kittens or I get feral kittens to socialize them so they get adopted out and stuff. So with being a load master, that requires a lot of travel. How do you balance the travel life with being at home? It's hard. I have a lot of great friends that help me with the house. And when I was deployed, um, like Troy Baker and Alex Moorhead and Mary Gross, they helped me out, took care of my house, took care of the cats, would always um, text me or let me know everything was okay. If I had problems, you know, the VFW guys would come to the house, take care of my air conditioning or my heater. My family is all in Ohio, so sometimes it's difficult to take care of the house, fly, see my family. You know, this COVID thing is definitely not helpful. Mm -hmm. My nephew is a senior this year. I want to watch him play football. So, So, yeah. The traveling thing gets in the way of family, but when I'm home, I definitely try to make sure I'm in Ohio with my family. And focused on them. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I know that's very important, especially as uh, as a military member, and especially the traveling. You know, you still need that little bit of, like, normalcy. Yeah, the downtime, yeah. you know, to be just not really military, just <laughs> a normal person. Just to be Debbie instead yeah, of a senior exactly. master sergeant. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, that is very important. Yep. So what advice would you give to any um, – so I'm going to ask this first for a female. What advice would you give to a female who wanted to be a air crew member? And what advice would you give to just anyone else? Because I feel like that some of those dynamics would be a little bit different in a way. They are and they're not. Because that's where we need to, like, so stop the female-male thing. Mm-hmm. But to any female that wanted to do anything, you know, you look at, you got your CCT guys, you got female pilots in combat zones now. You know, mm-hmm. And so many of them, I guarantee, were told, you're a female, you can't do it. So don't let anybody tell you you can't do something because you're a female, ever, you know. And you're going to have to try probably 100% more than the guys. But if you really want it, it's not a big deal, mm-hmm. right? You you work to get to where you want to be. And I hope that's not only a female but a male thing too, right. you know what I mean? But you have to have a strong head to be able to overcome all of the female-male stuff, mm-hmm. you know, Air crew is a different world, you know. We eat our own, so to speak, but we are one of the tightest families that you'll ever see, right. you know. So, yeah, don't let anybody talk you out of anything. You know, Be a hard charger. If you really want it, get it. Yeah. Take it and make it your own, and then you'll always do great at it. Because if you love your job, if you love what you're doing – you're going to work at it, and you're going to be better each time. And as somebody tells you something to make you better, you have to remember it's not a female thing or a male thing. They're trying to make you a better person or a better airman or a better lowmaster. Right. 
you know, because you have all kinds of personalities in the military. And gosh knows we have them in ops group, you know. (laughs) So you have to just remember to take each personality, teach that, instruct that, and, and go with it. So with you coming in at 93 and this being 2020, what are some changes that you've seen in your time of from the start of being a load master to now? Well, it's not – it's different. I don't know. <laughs> we did so much. It feels like we – the ops tempo has never changed. We're always going, going, going. But you have the political correctness that's coming in the military – and I know for a lot of older people, that's kind of hard. And by no means do anybody need mean to disrespect somebody. But that culture change that we're all going through mm-hmm. is a little harder for some of us, me included. Yeah. Um, I remember a long time ago when I first started flying, a chief threw a checklist at me and, you know, told me to read it. It's not something you can do nowadays, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Although you want to People sometimes. have feelings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the older military, your feelings were gone, right? Uh-huh. You know, it's just how things were. But our ops tempo seems to be the same. I mean, this unit is amazing. We keep going. We adapt, you know, with this J model conversation coming in. You know, everyone is thinking, you know, what's going to happen. But everybody is still going strong. You know, we deployed with that looming over us mm-hmm. and we're going to silver arrow and we have all these exercises and we keep flying century storm stuff like that it's just a culture change yeah. personality changes how people are growing up we just have to adapt right mm-hmm. to how everybody is so in 2010 we lost um senator bird which in the state of west virginia is a huge deal you know it bought back two three presidents i believe um, most of Congress. But one thing, you were chosen as one of the um, air crew members to bring his body back home to the state. Can you talk about the honor of being selected, handpicked as one of those individuals? Yeah, that was amazing. Um, we did a lot of work, get the airplanes ready. Um, Aerial port got us the slides so we made sure the plane was slick, clean, maintenance, I mean, top and bottom. And it was definitely a, a major honor, you know. We flew General Tackett up there. Um, as most people know, General Tackett and Bird were best of friends. We got up there. It was amazing, you know, the Secret Service, how Andrews just shut down, and the respect and the honor for of everyone on that airplane to be able to bring him home. Um, I know when we got back, or as we were flying from Andrews back to Charleston, you know, we I sat back there with General Tackett, you know, with Senator Burr with the flag, and it was sombering, you know, because we've all lost people, mm-hmm. and um, but it was such an honor to be with him, you know, and to be on that airplane. So when we got home and we all helped, you know, with the buddy and watched him go down the down the road, you know, it, it was such a loss for the state and for the wing, you know, because he did so much for this wing. So let's talk a little bit about your future plans. What do you want to <laughs> want to do with um 
Um, in the near future and then even later on. My near future is to keep everything going, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I just put senior on a year ago. So hopefully, you know, if time and place will allow, I would like to become a chief. You know, We'll have to see how that goes. I will definitely strive for it yeah. and uh, try to keep my steps going in my future that way. And definitely retire, you know, mm-hmm. early 50s to be able to enjoy retirement. Right. I have a lot of friends that have left the past couple years. You know, Mark Campbell, Paul Dolan just retired. And I talk to them all the time. They're like, retirement is great. <laughs> you know, text all the time from Cheap Oils going, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> Do it earlier, you know. So it's definitely something I have in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, that beach setting is wait, calling my name. Yeah. So, but we'll see what happens, you know. I just want to thank you for being on the podcast, and I just want to wish you success for your future endeavors. Thanks for having me. And that's going to do it for this episode of The Drop. For more information about the 130 Thurlift Wing, visit us on the web at www.130aw.ang.af.mil. Additionally, you can find us on all major social media platforms. Lastly, you can see us in the skies delivering freedom with courage. This is Master Sergeant Dewan Haley reminding you to stay ready to go.